0: This program is brought to you by Soundstrue.com. At Soundstrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. We also host an annual conference, a five-day Experience of Transformation, held in August each year in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. At Soundstrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey offering diverse in-depth and life-changing wisdom sounds many voices one journey you're listening to insights at the edge today my guest is judith blackstone Judith is an innovative teacher in the contemporary spiritual and psychotherapy fields. She developed the realization process, a method of realizing fundamental or non-dual consciousness and applying it to psychological and physical healing. She's taught for 25 years throughout the United States and at Esalen Institute in California since 1987. Judith is the author, with Sounds True, of a book called The Intimate Life, Awakening to the Spiritual Essence in Yourself and Others, and also a six-session audio learning course called The Realization Process, a step-by-step guide to embodied spiritual awakening, where she guides listeners to what she calls the attunement to fundamental consciousness. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Judith and I spoke about two introductory ways of attuning to fundamental consciousness, about how we can relate to other people from the subtle core of our body to their subtle core, which she calls core to core. We also talked about the relationship between realization and psychological challenges in our lives, and also the role of the body in the fullness of realization. Here's my very illuminating conversation with Dr. Judith Blackstone. Judith, you teach something called the realization process. And of course, realization, kind of like the word enlightenment, is a pretty loaded word. People have all different kinds of associations and mean different things when they use a word like realization. So what do you mean? What are we realizing?
1: Yes. Um, I'm meaning something really specific by that. I'm meaning um, the opening up and arriving in a particular level of ourselves, a level of being. And um, it's, it's actually experienced as a very, very fine, very subtle consciousness that we can get to, that we can actually experience pervading our whole body, and pervading our body and everything around us at the same time. Now, this level of consciousness, it's been mentioned in all of the Eastern teachings. Um, it's, um, it's a level of openness, right? It requires our whole body to be uh, open to it. But it's not just openness, because it's actually the the unveiling of this very, very subtle essence of ourselves, a kind of transparency and a unification, because it's a unified consciousness, this very subtle consciousness, because we experience it everywhere in our body at once and everywhere in our environment at once. It's a level of unity, sometimes actually called unit of consciousness. Um, it's, it's It's even something a little bit beyond simply being open to life.
0: So, when we realize this unity of consciousness, this fundamental consciousness, are we all realizing the same thing?
1: Yes, I believe we are, and the descriptions of it—the descriptions that have been passed down in the literature in the spiritual literature—and the descriptions currently uh, back that up. It, you know, even though it's hard to find words for it, it's not impossible because it is something that uh, that we experience um the words the words back up the the notion that it's exactly the same in all of us, a universal dimension,
0: okay, and then, how do you understand this very obvious paradox that presents itself, which is here we are, we're all pervaded by this same unit of consciousness that we can discover, but yet we still experience ourselves as unique individuals. we have separate bodies, separate. DNA experiences. How do you understand that paradox?
1: You know, it's not so much that, that I understand it. You know, it's, it's a wonderful, mysterious universe that, we, that we're engaged in here. Um, but I do know that it's true. I know that, that as, this, as we uncover this, perhaps we can call bottom level or ground of our being, it reveals to us our uniqueness. Our gifts even our even our preferences, uh our internal guidance, what you know what we're drawn to, what we're led towards uh all that is uncovered with more and more clarity as as we get in touch with this unit of ground of our being
0: so for you, you're simply at peace with the experience that this is how it seems to be, more uniqueness more in touch with this fundamental ground simultaneously. You're just okay with that? That's how it goes?
1: I've had to be okay with that, yes. (laughs) There's a lot we don't know. There's a lot we can realize, and yet yet still we don't know. And one of the very interesting things is that uh, a lot of the Buddhist philosophy and a lot of the Hindu philosophy interprets this same experience differently. So that pulls us right there, you know, we can we can unveil this and it's really the most gratifying gratifying kind of experience we can have. And yet we still might not know the, the secrets of the universe.
0: Now, I imagine people listening and they might be thinking, okay, I've heard a lot of talk about this unit of consciousness, this ground of being, but I kind of don't really know if I know what Judith's talking about from experience and now i know you guide people through a series of step by step practices give us a sense of how you're able to help show people help unveil this ground of of being to people
1: okay i think i think you know one of the major keys to this is is the discovery that wherever we inhabit our body, that is, wherever we are in contact internally with our own form, we're open to the environment. That's a very interesting thing. So, for example, if we inhabit our chest, that is, not just be aware of that space inside the chest, but actually be there, present within our chest, then we experience this present moment inside our chest and outside around us at the same time. Now when we inhabit our whole body then we get to kind of clear through openness this present moment happening within our whole body and outside of our body at the same time and at that point that very subtle consciousness arises. So so I lead people to this realization by helping them inhabit their body, and, and again, that's not just a body scan, not not being aware of the body, uh, which is how embodiment is often talked about, but rather actually being present as that internal space of the body and then attuning directly to this very, very fine consciousness that pervades inside and outside the body at the same time. Well, that's just part of it. The other part is also attuning to a very slender vertical channel that runs through the vertical core of the head, neck, and body called the central channel in Buddhism and called Chishumna in the Hindu system, sometimes called the wisdom channel in the Eastern teachings. And that very, very slender innermost core of ourselves can also be accessed to open up into this ground of our being.
0: Now, it's interesting to me that you start with the body you start by directing people as you said you know let's go inside our chest for example or inside the whole body why do you start there that's unusual many teachers when they're talking about revealing fundamental consciousness to people that's not where they would start they would start with this present moment or space or something else
1: yes there's there's two reasons uh, for that 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 come up (laughs) as a response right now and one is that um some of them, and i'm going to talk about these non dual teachings right this, so this attunement to unit of consciousness is is called non duality and um and it's become quite popular. there are a lot of teachers teaching non duality uh right now, especially in the United States and in europe and um sometimes it's taught simply to be aware of the present moment and and these are just these are just uh, pedagogies these are these are exercises right. And what I find lacking in that particular exercise of just being aware to the present moment is that we can be aware of the space outside of ourselves. We can even relax into the space outside of ourselves without getting to this extremely subtle consciousness that pervades both the internal space of the body and the environment at the same time. So if we focus... Even for hours and hours on the present moment, but we're focusing just on our environment, we really may not get to that core level of our being uh, the other reason the other uh very popular way of teaching non- duality is to start with the the belief system to start with the thoughts that come into play and seem to interfere with our realization so many of the teachers start there and you know, all of this is helpful. There's nothing wrong with any of it, but it it can be it can be limited in its effect. I've found, and that is that if we simply um, work with trying to erase any sort of preconceptions about life. Right. So in other words, if we look at a flower and we think to ourselves, "Oh, that flower is not really so nice as the flower." you know, that I saw last week, or what kind of flower is that? I don't quite remember, and so on and so forth. We're bringing a lot of what's called mental elaboration to our experience of life. And that can certainly get in the way of our actual openness to the flower. So many teachers will start there with trying to clear out that mental elaboration. Now, the trouble with that is that our mental elaboration is is hooked up to a lot of constriction in our own body. So we start to live abstractly as we close off our sensation and our emotional life. And that means that the fixations that we bring to life that that do obscure our realization, that do obstruct our sense of unity of consciousness, those fixations, they're not just mental. They're also emotional. They involve the whole body. So... We can momentarily clear our mind, but we can't clear it in an ongoing way, I believe, unless we also open our emotions and our sensations, unless we open the whole instrument of our being. Also, just to open the mind, that's not yet unit of consciousness. That's not yet fundamental consciousness. Fundamental consciousness is a level of unity, a level of wholeness, of oneness, it, it must pervade our whole being, not just the top of our
0: heads. Now, you mentioned two beginning ways that you help people tune into fundamental consciousness. And the first is exploring this inner space in the body, and the second, tuning into what you call the subtle core of the body, or the, the central channel. Can you say more about the central channel and how, first of all, somebody contacts that open energy and what the value of that is?
1: Okay. The central channel, um, which, as I've said, is um, is described both in Buddhism and in Hinduism, in, in certain certain schools of Buddhism and Hinduism, Um, In Hindu yoga, it's, um, it's conceived of as being three channels nested within each other. So in the realization process, I'm guiding people to attune to the innermost channel. So instead of getting to a kind of a rougher energy level, by the way, our energy system is a spectrum from dense to subtle. So as we get into the innermost core of ourselves, we get not just to this level of fundamental consciousness, which is a level of stillness, but we get to our most subtle level of energy. Uh, So I'm guiding people to get into this innermost core. And we do that simply by refining the focus, by, um, by focusing inwardly from the front of our body back through to the core of ourselves and refining that focus and then initiating the breath there. Now, when we initiate the breath there, we can do that in such a way that we automatically feel a resonance, a kind of subtle vibration through that whole vertical core from the top of the head to the bottom of the pelvis. And when we feel that vibration throughout the whole channel, that means we've gotten to the innermost core. We've gotten to that very, very subtle energy that we will then be able to feel really everywhere in our being at once.
0: In your book, The Intimate Life, you teach people about how it's possible to relate to other people, an intimate partner or a friend or anyone, core to core, subtle core to subtle core. Can you talk about that? How might we do that?
1: Yes. Uh, One aspect of the realization process is this relational work. And um, it's it's a very, very interesting thing about the internal space of the body. And again, not just being aware of that space, but actually when you're actually there, that it has the capacity to connect with, to actually resonate with the internal space of another person's body or an animal's body, right? You can, you can resonate and find and contact the internal space of other life. Um, so in the realization process, I go right towards that, towards that experience, There are specific exercises for helping people feel that they're in their own body and then uh, with a partner experiencing both the internal space of their own body and the external space of another person's body at the same time. And likewise, from the core, from from these points along the subtle vertical core, the innermost core of the body, we can find our own core and another person's core at the same time. In fact, if two people are both in their cores, that resonance will automatically happen. So I'm just doing an exercise to evoke what what naturally happens. And there's there's some really important reasons for, for doing this. And one is that we have organized the constriction, the fragmentation in ourselves. We've organized that from early childhood in relation to other people for the most part, you know, so, you know, we've also made some constriction in relation to loud sounds that might have been the environment, that kind of thing, but mostly it was in relation to those alarming, loving, and sometimes not loving, unpredictable people in our environment, and that's what we most needed to protect ourselves from. So when we encounter another human being, there's often an automatic and unconscious uh, move to protect ourselves again. So we can sit on our meditation pillows and meditate blissfully, you know, openly, and then get up and go outside, and there's another human being, and boom, we're back in fragmented space again. Um, so it's really important to cultivate directly this ability to be in fundamental consciousness with another person. And, of course, the other the other important reason for doing it is that this is really um, one of the, the the greatest rewards of spiritual life is this tremendous intimacy that we can gain with the world around us. And so we can cultivate that uh, with the people close to us, with, with, with all life, that, uh, that internal resonance, that ability to connect with and know another person, not just from the surface of ourselves, but all the way through the internal depth of ourselves.
0: So are you saying then that part of the goal here would be to be able to be in the subtle core of the body while my partner is also in his or her subtle core, and then we're relating from that place while we're, you know, in the kitchen making breakfast, not just while we're sitting in meditation three feet away from each other, or or all the time? What's the objective here?
1: Yes, all the time, all the time. I mean, one of the real benefits of this kind of practice where we're not just holding our attention in a certain way or that sort of thing, but we're actually changing the way we are in ourselves, it's an actual transformation of our being, is that this becomes an ongoing realization. This is not a peak experience, not something we just feel in meditation. It's an ongoing change in the way we are in ourselves and in the world. And so, yes, if we practice that with a partner, then that relationship is always core to core.
0: Now, I know you've been married for quite some time with a partner. Can you tell me a little bit? How does it actually go for the two of you, this core to core relationship?
1: Um so that's a that's a big question. Um it it goes it goes of course very very nicely. It's um it's very pleasurable is what it is. I mean, this kind of work of being in one's body and being open to life in this way—it increases our pleasure of life, our enjoyment of life, um, our enjoyment of our, ourselves. Just the, the the great pleasure of being in our own in our own body, and the great pleasure of connecting with another human being through that internal depth—that's uh, pleasurable on every level. Of course, the the mind to mind meeting, the heart to heart meeting, the sexual meeting, um, the the quality of, of power in the body, of body to body, that's an extremely pleasurable relationship.
0: I love to hear about that, and I'm not trying to pry. I think part of my question wasn't even so much about the intense pleasure, although I love hearing that, it's wonderful, is here you are, and most couples will get into some kind of argument about blah, blah, and they're not resting in fundamental consciousness together. They're arguing about you know, who's going to take the trash out or something like that. So I'm curious about that as well. How does core-to-core work in, you know, just the traditional set of relational challenges that people face? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's um, it's helpful in a lot of ways, just as it is for us as individuals. It's helpful in relationships. Of course, we're bringing less um, unconscious patterning to the relationship less, un, you know, so if if my husband decides not to bring the trash out that particular week, um, in, in, in our case, it's bringing it all the way to the dump, you know, once a week, if he decides not to do it that week, it's not like he's abandoning me, or he's trying to be one up on me in some way, or, you know, these sorts of patterns. It's just simply that he's not going to bring the trash out this week. And he has reasons for that. And so, in that in that clear space, in that relatively clear unit of space, um, we can it slows down. You know, we can look at the actual current reasons and have a discussion about that, rather than uh, that sort of archaic, you know, childhood organization coming up.
0: Which brings up the question: What is the relationship between? realization in the way that you're defining it, and our psychological woundedness, defendedness, the conditioning that we each have grown up with. I mean, I know you work as a clinical psychotherapist, so you work with people all the time in this process. How does it go together? Is it, in your experience, is it the more realized we are, the less these early psychological patterns dictate our life?
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely, and I'm not saying we get rid of them completely, you know, that would be an ideal, but definitely gradually we let go of them. Uh, we need to let go of them to some extent just to realize this uh, this spaciousness, because we need to let go to, of them to some extent just to be able to inhabit our body to the degree that's necessary for that.
0: That's something that I think would help if you could explain that more. What do you mean we have to let go of these patterns to inhabit our body? Okay.
1: Okay, so as children when we're when we're organizing ourselves in reaction to our childhood environment, so when we're uh protecting ourselves against the unpredictability or the anger or the loss that's going on in our childhood at you know in each moment, um we actually contract the instrument of our being, we contract our body in order to uh dampen the impact of that experience, both to dampen what's coming towards us from the outside and to control our own responses if those responses are not going to be met with, with love and, and empathy. Uh, so it, for example, we can't keep ourselves from crying without tightening the anatomy involved in crying. Right? We can't keep ourselves from feeling anger Without tightening our body, so these are not m- just mental processes. These are processes that involve the whole body. So we, all of us, every single one of us, grow up with uh, particular uh, organizations, constrictions in our body. They're unconscious, and unless they're extremely severe, we can go about and live perfectly ordinary lives in those in those constricted bodies. It's the human condition. So we look around. This is this is how we all are, but. In order to get to this kind of next level of realization um, we need to really be in deep touch with the internal space of our body we need to be inhabiting that space as we go to do that these constrictions will get in our way so if I have tightened my heart so as not to feel the pain of my father's rejection of me for example uh, when I go to inhabit my chest, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock up against that tightness in my heart, and in doing that, if it's not if it's not that tight, just the act of inhabiting the body will help release that constriction. And along with it, of course, I'm gonna feel at least momentarily some of that pain. Um, in the realization process, I also have specific exercises for attuning to and releasing these holding patterns and releasing them from a very subtle level of our being, from the core level of our being, so that, um, so that they really release, and then inhabiting that space that has been released. So as we release those holding patterns, we are able to more deeply and more fully inhabit the internal space of the body, and in turn, we're able to more, uh, more be more open to that pervasive unit of consciousness. So you can see there how psychological healing and spiritual awakening, non-dual spiritual awakening, really go hand in hand.
0: So in your view, if you met somebody who, let's say, seems to have a lot of... Psychological baggage, for lack of a better word, they were easily triggered by this or that, or or you use the example of someone who might feel abandonment, even though there's no real cause for that. It's just their interpretation. Would you say that person could not be "quote unquote" very realized, in your view?
1: They're probably not yet very realized. Um, it, it takes a little. It takes a little effort uh, to be realized. It doesn't take quite as much as, as you know it has traditionally sometimes been said you know that this is such a far out experience but it does take it does take a certain amount of of work and of healing and of of focused work to um to be able to to do that
0: this is another way to ask my question what would be your litmus test in meeting somebody if you will as to their realization what would you be looking for or what would signal you like oh, i don't think so and I know this is a little bit of a strange question. What are we doing running around evaluating people's realization but uh it's the kind of question that's asked here. It sounds true
1: <laughs> yeah um I, I, there's a there's a transparency uh, you know when we when we realize fundamental consciousness, we not only experience ourselves as transparent we experience everything around us as transparent uh but our own being becomes uh Transformed, uh, so a sensitive observer can see that there's a, there's an internal uh, aliveness, there's a permeability to that being, um, rather than a rigidity, uh, a, an internal fluidity and um, and uh, permeability. Uh, if you look around at the teachers, all of them are open in some ways. It's um it's an ideal to be completely open throughout our whole being. Completely open, um, but some are more fragmented than others. So some teachers who can really make a lot of energy are really just open in one part of their being, not so open in the rest of themselves, and um, and and that's that's pretty clear just from just from looking at them where they're permeable, where they're alive inside, and where they're not.
0: So when you say that they're open in one part of their being, do you mean like they're open? You know, in the legs or in the head, or what do you mean by that
1: yeah, usually in the chest or in the head, <laughs> yeah, or the top of the head right we, you know uh one thing that i'm I'm really concerned with in the realization process is that people meditate in their whole body, that they inhabit their whole body so that so that they really get to this wholeness dimension of themselves, which is unity of consciousness, if we're left to our own devices and we're just sitting in a room of 200 people and meditating, we can meditate for 40 years like that, and we will tend to meditate where we're already most open because that's where we're most comfortable. So if I'm a mental kind of person and I live you know, in the upper part of my head, then when I sit down to meditate, it hmm, feels really good there. That's where I'm going to meditate. If I'm an emotionally-based person for the most part, I get inside, you know, I start to count my breath or whatever the meditation is, and what feels really good is this is this chest of mine, you know, is this heart. And then I will sit and meditate there for 40 years. And what that does is it continues to open just that part of the body that's being dwelled in, that's being focused on. So uh, I think that it's very important that we uh, practice inhabiting every area of ourselves, and meditating within the, the whole being.
0: Mm-hmm. So from what you're saying, it could be, for example, that a teacher who might be quite realized in a certain aspect is really only teaching from an open space in the head, but is not really teaching from the neck down. That could be...
1: That, that's, yeah, that's a possibility. And of course, we're all very complex, so we can open and you know be you know we all have this pattern of openness and defense. I don't think we ever lose it entirely, so it's important to have you know compassion for ourselves and for for our teachers, of course um that that this is a you know work in progress for all of us um but but that is something to be to be alert to
0: okay, so you use the example of the person who feels comfortable in their chest and in the feeling world and spends their time meditating in their chest. Why might somebody not inhabit from the waist down and what are the challenges in that area? And then what's it like when we do meditate and include from the waist down in our meditation?
1: Yeah. The waist down seems to be the biggest challenge for most of us. Um, we've been, we've been taught and this teaching has been passed down generation to generation um, that the noble the noble qualities are from the waist up, from the waist up, we feel love, we feel mental clarity, reason, intelligence, all of the things we value in our society really in every society, I think uh, almost every society um, so so throughout most of the world, people are living from the waist up, and because we not only organize ourselves as children. Uh, in response to painful stimuli, we also organize ourselves as a kind of mirror image of our parents so that we can really connect to them. We do that automatically. We inhabit ourselves where they're inhabiting themselves. This placement of living from the waist up is passed down from generation to generation. Now, that, of course, will fragment our wholeness, uh, just like not being in the head or not being in the chest. So we actually do need to... Be inhabiting our legs and our pelvis, which of course means in touch with our sexuality, um, in order to open to this unitive uh, aspect of ourselves, this ground of our being. There's another important reason for it too, and that is that it can become extremely uncomfortable to become very open from the waist up. There's no foundation, right? So, so many people are carrying around this wonderful you know overwhelming amount of energy in their chest and head and um, and feeling really disoriented uh and uh, cut off from their from their foundation
0: the teaching that you're offering the realization process is something that you've come to but it's not part of one specific lineage strand is that correct
1: that's correct although i have certainly uh studied and and visited with many lineages and some some of them uh, fairly deeply. Uh, this work really came out of my healing of a back injury. When I was a young woman in my 20s, I had been a professional dancer. I injured my back, and I had to be uh, attuned to myself on a very subtle level of my being in order to start to heal myself of this back injury. and. Uh, in that process, uh, I began to discover this uh, very, very subtle energy that goes through this through the body, and also the this unit of consciousness that pervades the body. I began to discover that, and I also began to explore uh, the spiritual teachings that were available. I I lived for a while at a Zen monastery, and um, and studied and studied Tibetan Buddhism. I had a a teacher in India um, so I, I did quite a lot of study and um, but it was all uh, in kind of referred back to this experience that I had been having in my own self-healing.
0: Do you ever feel alone or as if it's kind of precarious in a sense to be teaching from your own experience of healing and discovery, but not being sort of safely tucked into a particular lineage, or what's that like for you
1: uh, i I don't feel that it's not not safe um, I think it has taken longer for people to know about the work because it doesn't have a, a uh, you know that isn't coming out of a lineage, but I also feel that it's um it's very much a, a product of our times and our and our place that this is um this has been a true a true uh discovery a true unveiling uh, i you know if there were no reference to these experiences that i'm describing in the spiritual literature i would you know i, I would feel more precarious but since i do seem to be able to fit in and at least be part of the discussion the dialogue amongst all of these spiritual traditions and and since there is so much dialogue in our culture where we have access to all of them at once um, uh, i I feel that there's really a place for this for for people who are coming up with with their own realization and contextualizing it in the spiritual world but but also bringing something something else to it, you know really bringing the embodiment to it and the and the relational part of it how this how this deepens our relationships um and um and really uh, working with how this how this suits our contemporary lives
0: in your own process was there quote unquote a moment of realization where you you know after this moment, I could never go back. this was the defining Breakthrough.
1: Uh, there was there was a, a kind of a maybe an, a a long moment, not not a, a one single moment, but um, in my own process, um, I had been you know when I was a dancer uh, in my teens and early twenties, I I used to I used to pray. I had a special way of praying. I, I grew up in an atheistic family where prayer was just just relegated to the, to the lowest of the low, uh, but I had sensed the kind of numinous presence all my life, and so I found that before I went on stage uh, to perform as a dancer, I could kind of draw this presence inside my body, and that was my way of prayer, and it helped me feel, um, it, it helped me actually replace the, the frightened ego and, um, and animate the performance. Uh, so that was a very valuable experience for me and it, and it brought my dancing into a kind of spiritual life for me. When I injured my back, I lost that and um, and that was a really a great loss for me. So when I started to get it back in the process of healing, uh, I then went to live at this uh, Zen monastery and while I was there doing just copious amounts of meditation every day um, I began to get to a more subtle level, even than that numinous presence, and I and I did finally realize there were, I think, two moments of of actual realization that I remember. Uh, one, I was down by the stream, which was uh, next door to the monastery, and I was uh, sitting on the rocks, and suddenly I realized that the rocks were weightless, uh, transparent. I'd never I'd never noticed that before, and um, and then there was, you know there was this sense that the same transparency was within everything, within myself as well. And that was really a new experience, so that instead of drawing a presence inside of myself, there was this even finer, more subtle kind of presence that was everywhere at once, naturally, without any effort on my part.
0: And you said there was a second.
1: Well, there was a second one. And, you know, timing-wise, I think it was just a little bit uh, later, Uh, perhaps in that same week where I was sitting on my favorite bench at the monastery. This monastery is in upstate New York, very beautiful terrain, and I was sitting on a bench where I had been sitting for the whole year that I'd been there. I loved to sit on that bench. And again, that same experience. And then I realized this is just an ongoing, this is just the way it's going to be now, that everything is actually pervaded by this very, very subtle consciousness.
0: You know, interestingly, Judith, I think that It's possible that listeners are reflecting. You know, I've had moments, I don't know if exactly like that, but moments that felt very open. I felt the wholeness, the sense of everything being pervaded by the same stuff of reality. But I wasn't particularly fundamentally changed after those moments. You know, I still came back into my relationships after the retreat that I went to, et cetera, and got into a stupid argument with my partner, et cetera. And so what do you think happened in your situation that created this fundamental sort of wholesale change? And and how would you understand, I think, many people's experience, which is I had that kind of, you know, seeing, but it didn't change me.
1: You know, I do think it has to do with the embodiment of it, with really being in the whole body um it it may just be the the rel- you know i'm going to am going to use the term relative completeness of the realization um when we embody it when we inhabit our body and and at least most of our most of our instrument most of our form is open to fundamental consciousness it does stabilize this this term uh stabilization that comes to us from the buddhist teachings it's a traditional term um and and everyone apparently has noticed uh, over the over the hundreds of years that uh, after several glimpses, if if that's how it starts to come in for you, then finally you do stabilize there with you know with practice that that that's that that's the next step, and then it's there all the time. It's stable. I'm not sure that means you're never going to have a stupid argument again, you know, um, but it may it may dissipate faster, you know, you may bring a little bit more uh, space to it, um, but certainly the sense of ongoing transparency will be there.
0: You've used this word a couple times, transparency, and I'd love to know what that actually feels like inside of you, and when you look at somebody and you go, wow, that person's very transparent, what it looks like to you.
1: Yeah, Um well, what it feels like is it feels like you're made of empty space, and at the same time, completely present. It's not an eradication of yourself at all, is you know, as I, we were saying earlier, actually reveals the uniqueness and also reveals the, the qualitative experience of yourself, your love, your sensation, all of the qualities of, of being in a body become, become quite vivid. So, so you're not gone, and yet at the same time, you're made of empty space. This is something very strange, that we can be both there qualitatively and made of empty space, so both present and empty at the same time. Not my own idea, of course. You know, the the Zen uh, sutra says uh, form is emptiness, emptiness is form, and often that's uh, interpreted abstractly. But in fact, that's the experience. There's the form and there's the emptiness, um, so, so that's what it looks like. It looks as if, you know, in terms of what it looks like uh, in someone else's body or in a rock, because everything looks that way, it looks as if you could put your hand right through it. Now, I can't. You know, there might be some people who can. I can't put my hand through the rock or through another person's body. Uh, but that's how it looks. It looks like it's made of empty space.
0: Mm-hmm. Our program, Judith, is called Insights at the Edge. And I'm always curious to know, especially in the case here, somebody who's teaching realization and has made the kinds of discoveries that you've made, what's your edge? And what I mean by that is, what's currently up for you that you might consider a growing edge or a challenge?
1: You know, um, being comfortable in the world has been a special project of mine, and luckily and interestingly, my husband's as well. Uh, we are both, in terms of the, in terms of just um, bringing this work out. I've been teaching for years, maybe 30 years, more than that, really. But uh, in terms of uh, reaching more people and 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 traveling and 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 doing that sort of thing um uh, really that's been fairly recent in my life um and um comes with its own its own challenges uh, keeping my you know pacing myself being able to relax with that being in the moment not anticipating that I might be exhausted next week uh and being anxious about that but but really being in the moment with that um uh, this is really an ongoing process. So uh, so as relaxed in life as I might have been 10 years ago in in comparison to the way I was 10 years before that, um I am still I'm still opening to feeling at ease that way, you know, with with every circumstance that comes my way.
0: Thank you. And just finally, Judith, I'm wondering, you sort of pointed about how we could start to attune to fundamental consciousness inside our body and then in the subtle core. But I'm wondering here at the end of our conversation if you'd be willing to just gift our listeners with some type of short pointing to fundamental consciousness in their own experience.
1: Yes, sure. With the, you know, just with the understanding that um, to really uncover fundamental consciousness um, is not, you know, would take a, at least a longer exercise and, and practice over time. Um, so, okay, so sitting up, and you can be sitting either cross-legged or sitting up in a chair, but, but if you're sitting up in a chair, then put your feet on the ground, feel your feet on the floor. Close your eyes focus on your breathing for a moment Just and that's just to, to help you be present right where you are. Bring your attention down to your feet. Feel that you inhabit your feet and that means feeling that you are that internal space of your feet. And see what it's like to breathe while being in your feet. You may you may need to change the way you breathe. You may find that the inhale tends to lift you up out of your feet. See how you need to breathe to be able to stay in your feet. And now feel that you're inside your whole body all at once. So that if we say that the body is the temple, then you're sitting inside the temple with nothing left out. And now find the space outside your body, the space in the room. So you're keeping your eyes closed but finding that space outside of your body. And now see if you can feel that the space inside and outside your body is the same continuous space. When You're in your body, but you're permeable. The space inside and outside is the same. And the breath is moving through the space without disturbing that stillness of that space inside and outside your body. Now slowly open your eyes. And see if you can feel that you're in your body, that you're inhabiting your whole body with your eyes open. So even though the world appears, you still have your own temple to sit inside. All the way down to your feet. Right? And including your head, your whole body. Find the space outside your body, the space in the room. And feel that the space inside and outside your body is the same continuous space. You're in your body, but you're pervaded by space. And feeling that the space that pervades you also pervades everything around you without leaving your body at all. So you actually don't have to move at all for that. You're settling into the space that seems to already be there, pervading you and everything around you. okay
0: and relax Judith, thank you so much i know i put you on the spot there to help us have a a taste i appreciate your generosity and all the hard work you've done to bring forth something like the realization process so thank so, you so much well,
1: thank you Kenny
0: Judith Blackstone has created a new six-session audio learning course with Sounds True. It's called The Realization Process, A Step-by-Step Guide to Embodied Spiritual Awakening. And Sounds True is also publishing a new book with Judith called The Intimate Life, Awakening to the Spiritual Essence in Yourself and Others. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey.